Hello, and welcome to Avenger Bros, your podcast about biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical slash cultural context. I'm your co-host, George Benson. I'm your other co-host, Don Sheever. And uh, we're both back this week. Yes. I know you missed me. I did miss you. Um, how, how was your week then? Uh, it's been good, I think. Uh, uneventful. Some discipleship meetings, uh, church. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing unusual, nothing atypical. Just kind of same old, same old. What about you? Cool. Um, I was in Toledo for a day over the weekend to do a wedding, and then I came back home. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. you were you were here. You were you're within visiting range. I was, and you're just now telling me that. I thought I would wait until after I left to tell you. I see how it is, George. You're all <laughs> Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, it's all very clear. It should be. I, I just wanted to make sure that it was on record. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, okay, so uh, this week, I thought I would uh, ask you about something I'm not sure you and I have ever talked about. Um, even in our one-on-one times or when we've just hung out and grabbed a beer or whatever. Um, and that's George. I don't drink. He says sipping a hot toddy. (laughs) Um, that's medicinal. That's true. It's medicinal. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, the idea of, um, demons. Mm. So this is something that is very popular in pop culture. Like, uh, you know, it's October. So I'm thinking like, you know, I'm going through my horror movie list that I watch every year, the exorcist, um, Hellraiser, just, you know, stuff, stuff like that. Uh, stuff that, you know, has been very popular since the middle ages, thanks to Dante and, uh, you know, art and all the other shit. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I thought I'd, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, are you just asking me if I believe in demons? Are you believe asking me what my I think my what the role of demons play in theology and faith? Like, where are we going? So, I, first, I because you know we we try to be people of the text. I want to get your thoughts on um, Matthew twelve twenty two. Uh, to 28. All right. <clears throat> so here it goes. Uh, then they brought him a demon possessed man who was blind and mute and Jesus healed him so that he could talk and see all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons that follow or, and uh, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself would be, or will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can this kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, whom you, uh, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. All right. 
So what's your question? Uh, so he, he, okay, when they bring him the person that is a demon-possessed man who is blind and mute, Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. It doesn't say anything about driving out a possession. Or like, I, I so when I was super evangelical and um, like that Did you would have a be- cape? I wish I had a cape. <laughs> this is one of those passages that people, you know, like, oh, uh, Satan's really knocking on my door today. And, you know, just like, this is one of those passages I never really knew what to do with because it felt like that this is an area that the church was heavily influenced by pop culture. Okay. With, at least in the circles that I ran in and, heard these conversations around. So um, I guess my first question is, do you, do you believe in demons? Like what, where, where, where did you start from and where are you at now when it's the subject? So, I mean, I think where I started growing up in a more fundamental setting was, yeah, there's demonic forces at play and that there's, that there's spiritual warfare Um and that almost like a uh, Constantine, I think comic book Constantine type view of like that there's a world that not everyone can see that's going yeah. on simultaneously with ours where we are constantly uh, brushing shoulders with the demonic and the angelic. Yeah. Um, and that there are those amongst us such as Constantine in that setting. Well, whether the comic book or the movie or I think there was even a TV show briefly um, that there are those amongst us that can see both worlds. um, And they all seem to be Pentecostal. Um, And uh, so that, that's kind of how I was raised ironically, not in a Pentecostal church, but still very much uh, in a setting in which uh, demons, uh, we're just on the, on the prowl. Right. Uh, so though I've never, our church never did growing up, never did a hell house with yeah. like, you know, like oh. this idea of like a haunted house while we're near Halloween. Right. I've, yeah. I but went to one once. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, it, it was, I felt like I was set up for failure because I was told it was a haunted house that I was going to. <laughs> Well, do me a favor and actually do the listeners a favor since you've experienced it. Um, just kind of give a, like, because there might, there's probably people here listening that have yeah. never heard of or experienced a hell house. I mean, I think they can probably pick it up based on context, but like, if you could just share what the overarching concept and or experience was like, that would be, that'd oh, be great. Yeah. So I was in high school when this happened and my friend, said, hey, do you want to go to a haunted house? And I said, yeah, of course I want to go to one. So uh, we drove to this church, and I was super confused as to what was going on. And we show up, and we're this dude who like had this weird Jedi robe and this demon mask met us there. And he's like, I'm going to be your, your guide through hell. And I was like, all right. So they transformed the sanctuary into like six different rooms, one of which was uh, dealing with drug addicts, murder, 
abortion. Mm. And I will never forget the abortion room because the woman on, on the gurney was like screaming that she didn't want to go through with the abortion and the doctor did it anyway. And like they had this stainless steel bowl of strawberry jam that they were saying. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And like, it, it was so uncomfortable. And so, so was she like full round stomach pregnant too? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're talking so like, like last couple of weeks of, of the of getting ready to pop. So yeah, definitely, definitely pushing the, uh, uh, a certain perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so jam, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, it led into, this back room where we went into a kind of maze and this is the only part I actually liked about it. And it pissed me off what they did. So, uh, at the end Wait, of it, so you liked something that pissed you off. I'm getting there. So All right. at the end, uh, there's this dude standing in this like zoot suit and he's just like guy standing in a zoot suit as one does. <laughs> and he's like talking about all the influence he has on earth. And you're yeah. like, Oh, this is supposed to be Satan. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so happy that they went with a guy in a suit and not like the, some stupid stereotype demon clawed, you know, uh, foot thing. And the second I'm done thinking that there's a smoke machine and then they bring out like this craply made what I view Satan to be like because I've like seen a painting from Dante or a painting like the Bugs different. Bunny, the Bugs Bunny version of Satan. Yeah, I was so pissed. And then at the very, very end, I have to say though, George, just in all fairness, real quick, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm always suspicious of someone in a zoot suit. I mean, like, I like, I mean, I have to say that if I were to imagine the Satan. Yeah. I mean, a zoot suit's not far from where I end up. Exactly. I a hundred percent. Um, and so at the very end, they take us into one part of the chapel that was, uh, not a hell room and it's all in white and there's bright lights and it's warm and there's a TV sitting in the center of like where the altar should be. And it plays you the trailer for the passion of the Christ, because this is right before it came out. Yeah. And then this feathered mulleted preacher came in with a purple sequin stash or sash talking about how great everything is because he, you know, because he was playing Jesus and uh, then they handed out tracks and we were done. You know, I think now I want to to do a hell house for dust, our church. Yeah. And in the event, call it hell house, have some descriptors. And then when it's where it says address put not available. (laughs) I mean, that was funny to me, but it might be because I'm almost done with my hot toddy. That's true. But uh, yeah, so that, that was my one and only experience with the hell house. So. So let me ask you a question, um, you know, because I don't like to answer things. Um, what do you imagine is the heart? And, and let's assume the best, right? Like, let's not be, uh, so critical that we assume the worst of, of people in this, you know, the people that spent the time, because obviously there was a lot of time, possibly money, but energy definitely invested in doing this as there is across the country 
in every church that does a hell house or trick or trunk because they want to uh, keep their kids from actually going to their neighbor's house where their neighbors show them affection by giving them confection. Um, wow. That's, that's, that's tweetable. That was actually pretty good. Um, so what do you imagine assuming the best of these folks that they thought that they were saying to you as a high school student walking through this space? What, what do you want? What do you imagine they were hoping you walked away with? Like, because I mean, as a pastor and teaching and doing sermons and stuff, like one of the things I think is really important that unfortunately people don't often think about when crafting a teaching is, you know, what do I hope that the person walks away with? Um, so what do you, what do you think they, they had hoped that you walked away with? Well, so I kind of tie this into street corner, uh, preachers as well. Like, okay. If, if I actually believed that every person that doesn't know who Jesus is, was in danger of a literal place of fire for the rest of eternity, I would want to tell everybody that I could. All right. So, so like that's, I mean, that's what I would assume best intentions. That's what people want in those positions. Like I am telling so, you the truth. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. It's okay. Uh, I believe it's in the Mishnah. I, I could be wrong. So forgive me, any of our listeners that might know where this actually comes from, um, that they reference like the idea of sleep as one sixtieth of death, right? That uh, when we go to sleep, that's, that's us experiencing in a very small way what death would be like. Uh, and there's a list I be, and again, I believe it's in the Mishnah. There's a list of one sixtieths. Um, and so do you think that what they're trying to do is to say, if you do, like if indeed our theology is correct, if indeed our ideas about how God functions within this world and therefore also in the world to come, that what we're offering you is a one sixtieth of hell. Would you say that that's a fair, like that that's what they're trying to do? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think that's a very fair way to say that. So what is your problem with that? What do you mean? Like, Obviously, I mean, based on kind of our laughter around hell houses and yeah. stuff, like it's not something that you and I personally uh, view as helpful. <clears throat> so what is it about it that you find to be repulsive, unhelpful, uh, or whatever adjective you want to add to it? Um, I mean, I think that this is where you can run into the the true Scotsman debate with Christianity. Like who has okay. the better theology? Sure. Clearly, I think I have the better theology. I got theology. Sometimes. Yes, I do. I got theology. How about you? It, no, exactly. And so I think we've even talked about this before uh, 
uh, about not knowing how to um, handle a conversation well around this. At least I, I struggle with this because, you know, especially the the one room I remember the most was the abortion room. But I, I remember right. it not because of how disturbing it is, but because of how um, wrong it is. Okay. You know, if somebody doesn't consent to a procedure, they don't go through with the procedure. Right. Although there actually was just a recent uh, moment in which uh, a news story broke that a young woman who uh, went to a clinic actually was given an abortion and she wasn't there for one. Well, that's awful. Awful doesn't even begin yeah. to describe <laughs> that. You're you're right. I I was not aware of that. I'm like you know my wife is in the medical field and we talk about um this subject a lot. Like you know people have to consent even if it's to people choose not to consent to procedures even if it's for the betterment of their children because it's something that they don't think will work. Right. So like that that sticks out to me. Um, yeah. you know, and it's pushing, I, I, I would say it pushes an agenda that you only get with Christianity. If you don't take it, I want, I want to say if you don't take it seriously. And what I mean by that is, you know, the text, Sure. not to say that these people don't take their faith seriously or when they read the text seriously they do some people know the text very well but it, they don't ask the questions of you know could this mean something else right so when you if you were to go through a hell house today yeah right like if after we logged off you were to go down to your local xyz church of the first coming second coming god place and you were to walk through a hell house again yeah what would your experience be like like how would you engage that particular space now today what would your critique be what would your desires be like and I'm going to ask you two questions simultaneously. Okay. okay. So I'm going to, so if you went to the X, Y, Z church of whatever sure. uh, saints and you experienced a hell house and then knowing me, you were going to go to a hell house at dust. How would you expect those two experiences to be? And how would you critique them? Oh man, I have no idea. I mean, Maybe I'll find one and actually go to one in my area and we can talk about Listen, it. If you do that, please do this. Record it and and we can post it uh, with our Evangelbro stuff. Like actually just keep your phone out the whole time. Make sure it has a good charge. Record the experience. Like that would be amazing. I would love that. I would love to... Uh, uh, 
through your <laughs> through your experience, experience it and not have to go through that trauma myself. <laughs> that sounds like something you'd ask me to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yes. I, let's, let's, let's table this uh, particular hell house part of this. I'll see if I can find one and uh, go to one this weekend. And maybe we can Man, that would be fantastic. Week. Maybe that'll be, we'll, we'll do that as one of our either, uh, you know what? Let's do that as part of one of our Patreon. Okay. Uh, things. So listen, folks that are listening, we have a Patreon account because George and I do this, uh, out of the absolute purest place in our souls and being, there is no desire for fame, fortune, or, uh, accolades. Yeah. If you can imagine such a place in a being, (laughs) but if you were to desire to throw money at such humble, righteous people, you can go to our Patreon account, which George will link in the uh, the podcast notes, and you can contribute thousands and thousands of dollars to us in order for us to contribute, continue to contribute in a very humble and righteous way to the well-being of our world. Yeah. How is that, George? I think that that's the this best. Is why, this is why I should do our our uh pr okay (laughs) that's fine with me um no it's really not that's okay okay. so so let's get back to the original question which was um yes what what are your thoughts on uh when you when you read about demons in the text right so there's a couple pieces to it and one of them is i just don't care i i'm just totally indifferent if there are demons suck it i i I just i i I don't care right like like they don't scare me i don't god said you know the text says if 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 you are for god then who is against you right like i i don't care um that's one so if indeed demons truly exist i challenge them come get me have at me, do it, do your best, do what you will. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I'm not scared. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a weird place that those who believe in demonic forces and believe in a physical, the Satan, they live in this fear. And let me tell you that if indeed they're rear, rear, real, they're not omnipotent. They're not omnipresent. They're not omniscient. They're, they're none of these things that we give God credit for. They are less than God, yet we speak of them as if they are indeed equal to God's power. Yeah. I imagine that if indeed the Satan is real, let's, let's just talk about like the head honcho. He, because it's going to be a dude, right? Like oh, be Satan. Sorry, you got to bleep that. But if there is a Satan, they, like, it's a dude. And let, and let me just tell oh, you, there's it's no a way he's dude. not white. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a white dude. Actually, it's the picture of God we have. White dude, older, with a white yeah. beard. Like, that is the Satan, right? Um, if indeed that's true, I guarantee you this entity this dude has not listened to the evangel bros podcast well somebody'd say he's it's, probably speaking through it 
right? Like that he's totally indifferent to us. We are meaningless in the grand scale of things. We just posted that we've had 10,000 downloads. Now you and I were giddy about that because we imagined by this point we'd have 17 downloads and that was because you and I listened to them. Right. Yeah. Maybe 30 and, because my parents, maybe. Well, let's not stretch it. So it's true. like this picture of like, like the Satan is not one of our downloads. Like just not. Um, like we don't matter on the grand scale of humanity. You and I just don't matter. So this idea that demons are out hunting you and I, that demons or the Satan cares about what you and I are doing is narcissistic at best, right? There's a weird narcissism that goes along with this idea of demons and the Satan and them taking interest in you or I. You and I are more of a public figure than most of our listeners. Now, some of our listeners far exceed us, but right, but but For sure. more most of our our listeners are less in the public eye than you or I. And I'm just telling you that we're insignificant. Yeah. And so, if indeed demons and the Satan physically exist. Be there it is again. Dang it. I'm sorry, George. You shouldn't have got me so fired up. It's I your fault. It's going to happen. It's your fault that I swear. I Stop don't blaming. ever swear. Stop blaming me because Satan's uh, giving you a foothold. That's right. This is, <laughs> I blame the Satan. Um, so, so that's where I want to begin. I, I want to begin with this idea that if indeed demons exist, the Satan exists, it doesn't matter. Sure. For the average everyday Joe, who cares if you're Mark Driscoll? I mean, clearly all of his problems stem just because the Satan was attacking him. I'm sure he's a nice person and not an asshole. And it's thank goodness he likes MMA because he can fight back. Right. Um, so this is the picture that I have, first of all, with demons. Second of all, I don't believe in physical entities of demonic forces. I also don't really believe in physical entities of guardian angels. So it's not like I dismiss one and pull on the other. Hold on. I guardian angels or angels in general. Well, so angel just means messenger. Do I believe do I believe that there are messengers in some way uh, uh, commissioned by God to deliver a, uh, something? Yes. Uh, I hope that in some way uh, that I am a messenger on Sundays when I speak uh, or through this podcast that you and I in some way can be messengers. That is our hope of this, right? I hope that it's not just Don. I hope that in some way what I'm sharing with our listeners and with the people in my faith community comes from just, not just me, yeah. but also comes from a, a, a unique or certain godliness that exists with my relationship with, uh, the ineffable, Right. Yeah, well, the um, only reason why I'm I'm specifically asking about that is because you know guardian angels. I mean, I would make the argument that I'm not sure you could 
Uh, I mean, it just seems like bad theology. What a guardian angel. Yes. Sure. That's, that's why I was asking. Well, and the reason I, I said specifically guardian angel is because I think most people actually that believe in demons believe that there are angels that watch over us. Okay. And so if there's demons that attack us, there are angels that watch over us and therefore there are demons. And if something watching over you, I would call that a guardian. Fair <laughs> enough. And so it's, it's that picture of one entity on one shoulder and one on the other. Uh, it's yeah, that like in the old uh, Looney Tunes. Cartoons. Sure. Yeah. Man, this is, we've referenced Bugs Bunny twice. Um, and so, yes, I think that a lot of people hold that picture. I don't personally, I don't personally hold that view. Now, do I believe that there is something that is not God, that is not human, that exists within the heavenly realm that in some way uh, participates in the community of God, I would actually say, I don't know. And again, I'm indifferent. I, and maybe that sounds terrible, but I'm just indifferent. Um, when I get to the world to come, if I'm so fortunate to do so, uh, and Michael walks out and says, <laughs> yo, mother... Uh, see there, I won't make you, you leap it. Right. That, uh, I'm real. <laughs> um, I'm going to be like, that's sweet, man. Cool. Uh, and that, that's it. That's the end of it. I, I, I just, it doesn't impact my faith. In fact, my biggest problem with demons and angels is the way it impacts people's faith not whether or not they believe them to be real. So I, I'm really not trying to avoid the question. So let me be blunt. No, no, no you're not. It no. doesn't come across that way. Okay, good. But I still want to be blunt here. I do not believe in demons in the way they're taught. I do not believe in angels in the way that they're taught. Um, now, do I believe that there is something within us that deceives us or moves us towards God? Yes. Um, what that is, I can't articulate. I don't know for sure. And I think it's often labeled as demonic or angelic. Okay. However, I think it's important to recognize that the more we're steeped in this spiritual warfare mentality, or the more that we imagine the demonic as being physical, like tangible, um, and the more we imagine the angelic, amongst us to be physical and tangible it impacts our theology so if i were to ask you george um how do you imagine believing in a physical demonic force impacts your theology what would you say are ways and i'm not asking you to judge it morally whether it's good or bad but how do you imagine it impacts the way you think theologically. Hmm. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I mean, I guess like when, when I did, I, when I leaned heavier into that mentality, it always felt like that there was a scapegoat at my will. Okay. Um, so talk more about that. What do you mean by that? 
Well, so like if, <clears throat> if I shared with somebody why I was struggling with something, um, and then they would respond to me and I've had this happen. Like, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're spiritual warfare, man. You gotta, you gotta get on, you know, you gotta pray. You gotta, you gotta do X, Y, and Z. You gotta keep those demons and Satan at bay. I would no longer feel I was responsible for my actions. Right. So it gives you a little bit of an out. Yeah. Or it, it, a big out. It, it, yeah. It used to. Yeah. So how does that then infiltrate the church? Like what is the natural outcome of that? Um, I mean, it's, uh, I I really don't know. Like it's, it's one of the, I guess it's one of those things again, where, you know, instead of, uh, remember how we were talking about victim blaming with atonement? Mm -hmm. Um, it seems like that there could be a pathway for, uh, scapegoating when you're being abusive. Mm. The devil made me do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a way for churches to not take responsibility for harm yeah. that they cause people like let's use a hell house for example that can be extremely traumatizing uh you know the beauty of a haunted house if one could say such a thing (laughs) is that there is a piece of it that it's fiction that it's fantastical Mm -hmm. that it's experiencing horror for the sake of the adrenaline of being fearful. But one in a, ha- in a haunted house, one would hope is not genuinely scared for one's life, but instead freaked out by the surprises around every corner. Yeah. One, and there's one- something joyful about that. I don't get it because I don't watch horror movies. I, I, I They don't scare me. I just don't find the stress enjoyable. They just stress me out because I'm like, there's a great Geico. I think it's a Geico commercial right now where like, they're like, you know, it's people and they're clearly in a horror movie and they're like, where should we hide? And someone goes to the attic and someone else goes, no, let's hide in the basement. And the one woman's like, why don't we all get in the running car? And they're all like, that's a terrible idea. And then one person's like, let's hide behind the chainsaw curtain. And they're all like, yes. And they all hide behind the chainsaw curtain. And they summed up my feeling of horror movies right there in that commercial. Yeah. It doesn't scare me. It stresses me out. But if those who enjoy horror movies that enjoy that thrill seeking, that enjoy that terror, they enjoy it because it's not real. Yeah. There's, there's a contract that you like it there's an imaginary contract you have when you enter a haunted house versus a hell house. There's a suspension of, or you're opting into uh, disbelief. Yes. And the other one is all about belief. Yes. 
And, and that is the bad thing. That is the horrible, horrible, horrible thing because what they're doing isn't saying this is fiction. They're saying this is one sixtieth. Yeah. And what you experienced here is only a fraction of reality versus this is an absurd perception of reality. And that piece is unbelievably harmful. Yes. And I would argue, I imagine that there are people, particularly those who come out of a conservative faith system or have bought into a conservative faith system that have been given PTSD from things such as hell houses. Right. Because if they believe that this is what reality will be like at just a fraction of it, like you're just getting a taste, you're getting a hint of the reality of hell in this space. That's a very different message that we're spending sending. So in the trauma that we have of these hell houses, how does that change the way we think about God and faith? Um, Could you... So, okay, I want to make sure I understand the question you're asking. So you're saying in light of of these hell houses, what does that say about the God that we believe? Yeah, those who put on these hell houses, right? Like they have the best intentions. Sure. But they're communicating something about what they believe about the God they worship. Yeah. And what is that? Substitutionary atonement. That was a... That was a in jest, but like, you know, there's, it's a, it's a penal system. Yeah. And it also means that in the world to come, God ain't messing around with no uh, haunted houses. God's got the real thing going and it is the most horrid thing you can imagine. And it's no joke. It's not meant for you to suspend disbelief it's meant for you to truly buy into it. This idea of demons and the Satan, for me personally, I would say this is the torment that you and I go through. If I was to think about the demonic and the satanic, I would say what I equate that to is the torture that you and I go through in the midst of chaos and distress when we don't know which way is up and which way is down and we don't know how to process strong emotions around tragedy or strong emotions around abuse or oppression. And the demonic and the satanic are the things that are our mind and our soul are wrestling with about what is true about us and what is true about God. And there's a reason that the word, the Satan or the idea of the Satan comes out of this idea of this is the deceiver. Yeah. Because there are moments in my life in which my own person deceives me of my own worth. 
that my own person deceives me of my own goodness. And I, I, I fight and I go, I'm a bad person. I am a horrible person. I am not good enough. No one likes me. If anyone knew who I really was, they would reject me. They would dismiss me. They would find me fallible and un, unworthy. Yeah. That is what I would argue is some people would call that spiritual warfare. And they're like, the Satan is trying to get to you. And that's where I wouldn't disagree with someone. I would, in my own mind, though, translate that to my own deception is trying to convince me that I'm not worthy, I'm not beautiful, I'm not good. And so th- this, this spiritual warfare, this demonic warfare, I don't view it as a tangible thing outside of myself, but instead the very war and storm that goes on in my heart and my psyche about whether or not I am lovable. And I think too many people in the church face that. And when we dismiss that as the Satan, we don't get counseled. We don't get mental health help. Yeah. Most of my, the Satan and most of my demonic, I need a counselor. I need I have mental health issues. I take anxiety medication to silence the voice of the Satan. Not because the Satan is real outside of me, but because the Satan is very real within my being. So I guess in short, I believe in the Satan. I believe in the demonic, but I believe them to be fully a part of the the walk that I have not as something that is outside of me. Well, why didn't you lead with that? It would have been a short <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, I realize I, uh, I might be creating chaos or not chaos with this, but um, you know, when you were talking about what does, the idea of something like a hell house say about the God that we, that we serve or the God that we believe. And I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, desiring God, which is like John Piper's big thing. Um, they tweeted out something uh, and it said, God cares more about your happiness than you do. He is so serious about your joy that he threatens hell. If you refuse to find it in him. Damn. I know that those people that did not uh, come by and visit me while they were in Toledo, they Mm. should burn. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's saying, right? Like George, you missed out on the joy of visiting with me. And because you didn't, I wish that you would have burned in a fiery wreck on your way back to Columbus. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, it's, Like that's, that's essentially what that says. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Which is crazy because when you frame it in such a way that it means something to somebody tangible to you, like you would never say that shit. Listen, an abusive parent or abusive partner says, I'm only hitting you because I love you. Yeah. Right. Like that is what John Piper just tweeted. God hits you because God loves you. 
more than you love yourself. It's not even like God hits you because that pain goes away relatively quickly. Yeah. But God will torture you eternally because God wants you to experience joy. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe John Piper is way more insightful into God and the text and faith than I am because we all know he's way more popular on his podcast than we are. But to me, it's a ludicrous statement. I know. I agree. That's why I was, I thought it was uh, fascinating in, in the context of what you were talking about with the hell house. Yeah. Well, so dear listeners, if you've ever been to a hell house, Email us. And you have video footage. Oh, man. I'm sure we can find... Or photos. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Maybe we'll... Oh, man. Yeah, we'll... The next episode will be on Hell House for the the Patreon uh, exclusive. So that's not something you're going to want to miss. That will be in the show notes. Um, But, you know, because it's October, and if you have any suggestions or questions, uh, kind of dealing with the more spookier side of of what faith is meant to some people, um, let us know. Hey, George, can I ask you something? So we're, we're kind of spitballing out loud here. Yeah. When, when, and if, and I hope it's a win, not an if you go through a hell house, I would love for you and I to do like a, uh, what was the, uh, where the robot sat and. Oh, MST three mystery science theater 3000. Yes. I would love if you and I mystery science theatered the, the experience what I would love as, as a video podcast or a vlog, that would be funny. But what I would also love is for you to find one in Toledo to go to and we can compare notes. <sighs> Man, I'm going to have to take twice my anxiety medicine. Probably. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, yeah. But you know, uh, shoot us an email, evangelbros at gmail.com. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, uh, we're over on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at evangelbros. Um, yeah i mean check us out well george i'd say this has been fun but it's been it's been a hell of a good time (laughs) (laughs) all right well i'm your co-host happy halloween folks yes (laughs) and i'm your other co-host don have a great week everyone bye